Hi, Lucy. You going to put on those headphones? You, uh, can just, yeah. you don't have to. You can speak right into the microphone. <laughs> I think I'll okay. put them on. I like to hear the sound of my own voice. Yeah. Ever, you know. Some people do. I mostly, have since I was a child. <laughs> mostly nobody does. I mean, this is what's so funny. Except it's No Crumbs me. Left, and I'm here with No Crumbs Left Kid. Welcome to right Chicago. In. I love it. Oh, thank you. Yes. Speaking of one's own voice, I'll, I've never <laughs> loved my own voice. And then it was so weird to me that people find my voice very calming. That's and, weird to me, too. <laughs> yeah, because, well, I've, first of all, I've never liked my voice. And second of all, yeah. that I have literally hundreds of people who say to me, like, your voice is really calming to me. Let's talk about that a little bit because I've never felt like, I mean, of course, I'm your mother that right. does. But can, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, it was... As surprising to you as it was to me, because uh, I remember, yeah, when I first started my No Crumbs Left Kid Instagram and people would come over, that was like the first thing they would always say, which was like, by the way, I just, isn't her voice so relaxing? And it was one of those things where it was like, uh, wow, I've never thought of that in that way. Um, <laughs> that is, and sometimes people say to me, uh, I love this question, this question, like, what is the most surprising thing about your life right now? I mean, I love that question oh, yeah. because it gives birth to such good thoughts and every possibility. And I, and I guess it could be something negative. For me, it's more like in a positive way. One of the things that's surprising about my life is that hundreds of people find my voice very relaxing. I, okay. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I totally agree because I can get to the point where I'm like, Hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people find my mother interesting, humorous, you know, just what a riot she is. She's such a hoot. That is completely unsurprising to me. But them going, you know, out of all the things there is to say about you, going, your voice is relaxing, being like a real common thing, everybody's saying, it's a little, I'm shook. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Well, first of all, let's just start with a check-in. You're, let's check in. You've been in Los Angeles now. It's like nine months, you know. I think that is just not how many months I've been there. I think it's been August, about November, five. October, November, December, January, February, uh, March. Uh, I believe that is eight. That's eight. We're, we're, it's, a, it's, it's been a while. Oh. Okay. So yeah. give us a check-in. We're, you know, tell um, us what. Well, so... Yeah, it's it's been really crazy. I mean, I got there. I sort of didn't know what I was doing except for chasing a gut feeling that I didn't want to be in school. And it's that's a hard moment when you know what you don't want to be doing and you're not really sure what you do. And I still am in that stage, which is scary. Um, but it's been also really rewarding because I've found that all of the successes that I've had actually mean a lot more because it's something that I really want to be doing. So I immediately got there and my good friend Lisa, who is now sort of like my manager, um, she was going to help me figure out how to PA, which is like being a production assistant on different projects. And um, she invited me over to her house and was like, let me give you some connections. And it turned out she didn't have any connections. What she really wanted to tell me was that I should go and start acting and chase that dream because she knows me as somebody who loves to do that. And I do. So I ended up getting an agent, a commercial agent, which means four commercials. Um, and that is so fun because when you're acting in commercials, they don't really actually want actors. They want real people who do a certain thing. So, you know, I might every day get submitted for something that's like real people who love to talk about ramen. I mean, what? How? That's a job. You get to go into a room with 20 other people to line up and be the one who, you know, is the most 
charismatic about loving ramen, I'll, I'll take it any day. And I love especially the ones that are related to food. But so I've been doing that. I've been auditioning. And then it's hard because people don't realize acting is is really there's a lot of luck involved and you audition and some people audition and audition for years and having nothing to do with their own determination. They just, they don't book things. And I was super lucky in that about two months after getting my um, agent, I booked my first commercial and it was really cool because the natural progression went that I had, my first audition was like so horrible. It was like just so embarrassing. You walk out and you're like, I hope that I never run into these people ever again. And my second audition, I was like, you know what? That was way better than the last time, but I still didn't get a callback. At least I felt good about it though. My third audition, I got a callback and I didn't book the job, but I felt really good about it. And my fourth audition, I got a callback and then I booked the job. And what's and it, the, what's the, what's I mean, the call? They said you're on something, you know, when they, they put you on hold. Oh, yes. my gosh. Yes. It was such Tell a big deal. Yeah. So they um, – my agent called me and said, uh, you have an avail. avail. And I, I, I'm, I'm on the phone and, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, great. You know, I have an avail. I'm calling my mom and I go, I have an avail. I have an avail. And she's like, what's an avail? And I'm like, I have no clue. But I, it, I think – I'm not really even still really sure what it is, but I think they're sort of like holding your space to yeah, be available. It or means something. that you've done everything right. You did the callback perfect. They want you, and you know maybe they've told their three or four other top people to just hold that time until they figure out the exact script and you know how many people they need. But they want you to be a part of the commercial, um, which I mean it was so fun. And I did. A lot of people were asking what I did my commercial for, and I'll. To, I'll Are say, you able to say? I'm able you... to say. I'm not going to say the product name, yes. but I'll able to say uh, what I what I did it for. Which is, it's just, there's this thing called HSDD, which means hyposexual desire disorder, and it's a disorder that happens in women when you lose your sex drive. And I, I mean, it was. It's basically for me in my eyes, it was like I did a, a female Viagra commercial, essentially. And I have all of these people that are your followers coming over and going, so excited to see it. What's it for? And I'm like, you know, to me, it feels like when your mom's friends are asking you, you know, and you don't want to say I was in like a Viagra commercial, but um, I think it sets me up quite nicely for a career in comedy. So I love it. Well, I was so thrilled. And I was like, talk about picking a vibrant, youthful, very alive, very passionate young woman yeah. to represent. But I think, well, wouldn't that make sense if yeah. you're representing it? You wouldn't want to go low libido, pick totally. someone who looks depressed or, you know. I mean, it was interesting, too. And I got there and I had to... Um I, I had to kiss another girl and I became really good friends with this girl. Now, um, yeah, it was really, it was really fun and interesting. I mean, we know I'm dating Cece. So it was like one of those experiences where then afterwards you text your girlfriend and you're like, I really don't want to kiss anybody else but you. Um, but it was, I mean, it's just so interesting. When I watch music videos, I really, it's hard for me almost to see the story that they're telling now because I know what it's like being on set and, I just really, in a lot of places, I'm like, oh, my God, those are actors. Or when I watch the Super Bowl commercials, I'm like, wow, that dude in the back got paid and he auditioned like three times to just like sit there and react to something and you you wouldn't even know that he was there. Right. Sort of like when I see people's food blog pictures or something. Right. You know? When you know the ins and outs, it is just yeah. so interesting. So 
Um, I've been auditioning for things. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you only applying for parts for queer women? Are there parts that you're well, going to play a straight person? What? Uh, I'm not really being submitted for, okay. for, I mean, my agent wouldn't probably mm-hmm. submit me for those okay. parts because it, to me, I look very clearly mm-hmm. I and mean, pe- other people see me and identify me as a butch lesbian mm-hmm. when they see me. And you mm-hmm. might not see that because right. I'm your kid and I'm just like, whatever mm-hmm. I am to you. But definitely it's like, I don't need to, um, say anything because people right. just know yes. when I auditioned for this part, I, I believe it was previously going to be my role was going to be for a straight person without even saying anything they changed it made a decision made a decision to change it for me um and that was when i had not even i mean all i had done was come in and do the auditions and say you know the audition was something like talk about your favorite vacation you've ever been on and then you walk out of the room um so yeah it's sort of for me it's like already just written on my face that and there are so many beautiful, straight-appearing women in Hollywood that I, I just right. have no business. Um, and I also – it's something I'm not really interested in because I think I want to elevate – I want to tell stories about my people and I want to elevate that. And um, we have well, so many people that are – I think a lot of times in Hollywood, people that are LGBTQ+, plus are often played by people that aren't. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just think, you know, it's a good time for me to be – for me to be playing the, you know, queer people. Absolutely. I'm into it. Now, let me ask you about your agency. Is it, do they only represent queer people? I mean, maybe oh, no. this is a stupid question, so they, I don't. They don't at all. Okay. They represent all kinds of people. You could, you could be, you know, whatever you want. Um, it's a big agency. It's called Daniel Hoff Agency. Um, I'm one of a certain number, you know, probably a higher number of hundreds of people. I don't know. It's such, it's, it's a wonderful place and it's, I, I almost feel like I have no business being there. I mean, there have been people that when they hear that I'm with Daniel Hoff because they see my resume and they see how new I am, they're sort of like, how did you, how did you swing that? And uh, to that I reply, I do not know, but I'm very happy. I, uh, I feel like we've always been sort of people like that. When someone was like, well, how did you get to, you know, nearly 300,000 followers on Instagram or, you know, 400,000 on Facebook? You know, I mean, yeah. to me, it's one at a time and it's being authentically right. who we are. And I think we come from people. I mean, my dad, business guy, a lot of moxie, considered to be a brilliant businessman, um, was a trendsetter making up his own rules. So I think personally, we're lucky because we come from people where we haven't been around a lot of ideas that we can't be limitless beings and we couldn't do whatever we want. So. Yeah. I think we start with that. But here's the reality. I don't think you have to be born with that in order to do that. And so oh, often sure. we have to be the ones to give ourselves permission. And yeah. guess what? Nobody's going to give you permission. So if you want something, go out there. There's yeah. no dress rehearsal. Figure it out. Find it out. Make it happen. And for me, that was a really – it was a scary moment. It was actually my first real audition that I had ever done when you had, I had to get, like, invited to audition. Or that was the way it felt to me, to audition at Daniel Hoff. And – um and I don't know if this is all the true story, but this is how I saw it so because there are so yeah. many things yes. that happen with getting accepted to an audition that you don't even know about. But this was how I saw the story. So I, I, I get there and it's this beautiful, you know, t- like 20 whatever story building and it's very intimidating. And there's like the most beautiful people walking in and out of this building. And I go up and I step out of the elevator and it's like a zoo of the most gorgeous, tall, beautiful models 
and they're all holding this piece of paper. And uh, what I had thought was happening was that I was coming to meet with an agent. So I was totally not nervous. I was like, I'm going to just talk to somebody. You know, that's my strong suit. It's just being myself. But the auditioning part of it, I I didn't know that that was going to happen. So I went up to the front to check in and they were like, grab, you know, the copy, which is a copy of a of a commercial script, a short thing. And it was for um, it was like an H&R block uh, TV spot that they had done a few years ago. Um, and you're supposed to memorize it. You know, you get in line. Maybe you have 10, 15 minutes while the line goes up and then you do it. You go in, you do it in front of the camera and then you just leave. And I didn't get to talk to anybody. I mean, it was terrifying. I'm here behind, like, you know, the most beautiful man who's just, like, come off of a, a motorcycle and he's got, like, his leather jacket and his helmet in hand. And people that look like they've done this for years and this is just, you know, lunch. Um, and I was so scared. I was so scared. I'm trying to memorize this H&R block thing and I get to the front of the line and I just lose it. I lose it all completely. It just comes out of my memory. And... um I walk into the room and I do like I almost a are you about horrible, to start crying? I feel like you're about no. to start crying. Oh my okay. god, not at all. Okay. I do like a horrible audition. Yeah. It just feels so bad and then Dana who was one of the agents there came out and she was like, "How'd you do?" cuz she had invited me. She was like, "How'd you do?" and um I was like, "That that was horrible." Like I I is there any way you'd let me do it again cuz they don't really let people do it again. She was like, "Yeah, if you if you go to the back of the line, I'll let you do it again." So I'd sort of gotten my nerves out. And I went to the back of the now line. Now you know you have nothing to lose. Yeah, now I'm like – your worst self. Well, now I'm like uh, these people, I'll probably never see them again. Right. So um, I'm just going to go in and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. So I go in and uh, and I do an okay audition, much better than the last time, but it's – I've not done a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that it was a little bit funny. I sort of forgot something in the middle and there was something funny that happened. So I got in the car and – I just expect to never get a call from these people again. And then I get a call from from the agency and they're like, we'd like you to come back and you have a call back. And so then I went in and the second commercial that I did was a pasta. It was for pasta, which is, you know, if I, I was just praying. I'm like, if I could get so, any commercial, could it just be food related? And then it's my favorite food. So I do that and I actually do what I think is a really good job. And then I don't hear from them. And it's like kind of soul crushing. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was like, you know, to feel so bad about something and then not expect a callback and then to feel like, you know what, I did my best job. It was, it was very confusing. And I, you hear a lot in this business about like being able to let go and just w- once you walk out of the room, but it was my first audition and I felt like here I am, I'm sort of on the precipice of this thing of somebody validating that I should be here and you get shut down and it was a it was a tough moment but i'm like you know what i'm here and maybe the exact maybe this wasn't the right agency for me and the exact right thing is is on the next you know over the next rainbow so i'm tracking on um and i decided just to write a thank you note to daniel hoff um and i i made these postcards um these beautiful postcards with my headshots and I sent him just this handwritten note saying, thank you so much for the opportunity. And, um, maybe I'll see you around. And it, you know, it was a really great you said experience. More. Yeah. It was something there like, was something, I, yeah, it was, you it was wrote, something it, it like was so I, from your heart and it, it was well, just like, was. you're interested in telling stories, uh, stories about queer people or I what, mean, what, yeah, what, what I, did you say? What I also said was that 
I had not been in Los Angeles very long and that out of all the experiences I had there, this was among one of the most fun things. And it really made my time there a blast. And that also, you know, I'm really interested in telling stories about queer people and that we don't often see people that look like me on camera and, you know, that I'd be really excited to to be with them and um, that I'd, you know, hopefully I would see him in, in some other form. Yeah. So. I wrote him that, and about a few days later, I got a call from the agency saying Daniel would like, you know, for you to be a, a, a client at the agent, you know, a talent with the agency. And I don't, you know, what if it worked out that he never even saw the letter? I don't even know. Like, what if right. I don't even know what happened? But then I came in for my orientation, and it was like out of 800 people that auditioned, we were, you know, this group of 30 people were the people that were chosen. Um, and I'm just so thankful. And he is, you know, it's a big agency, but he, you can tell that he is somebody that really fights for people. You know, when he accepts talent, he, he is taking people in that's like, he's sure about it and he is going to be, you want somebody who's going to champion you. So absolutely, I've learned that from you. So, um, we are a family yeah. of championers. I would oh, say, for yeah. sure. And I want to say one of my superpowers, and not that you're asking if you're saying, how are you doing, Mom? But, oh, tell uh, me about yeah. your superpowers. <laughs> I was really just randomly came across the question. What, tell me about your superpowers. Well, I would say championing people <laughs> is uh, for people I love. And, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person with a small circle. I like to say yeah. I have my circle of five. I mean, first of all, I've got my family, and, you know, they're pretty much everything. They're the yeah. family that I the, that the people that I came from, you know, uh, my parents and you and Patrick – um, on this side. So my family, my sisters, um, you know, nieces and nephews, all that. So important to me. Um, and I don't know where I was going with that. Where was I going with well, that? Well, I think you were just going, you know, oh, with champion. Championing. Okay, thank yeah. you. Circle of five. So, and then I have my small group of friends, which is around five friends that are really my inner circle. And your iPhone I, is... Yeah, the joke is my yeah. iPhone is... Instagram yeah. is one of them. But yeah. that I have my circle of friends. And there's big world people and there's small world people. And even though I have a big world presence, I'm a small world person. Um, and in a way, I think you're a big world person. This is a mm, way in which that's interesting. we're different. I always I don't like, really know what that means. But well, I mean, my world, I can keep my world like this, very, very tight and small, and I'm really happy with that. You oh, know? I see. If we go on vacation, it's like mm. it's going to be John and Amy, or I'm going to have my, you know, my girls' trips, or but you know, do you really think that? Because mom, yes, I you, think that. I really, you think are entertain. Your job is entertaining thousands of people and giving to them. Yes. I, that I, is as I, big I world as it what you're gets. saying, but here's the thing. There's like extrovert and introvert, you know. You know, it's like when you met Roy and you knew that Roy was maybe an extrovert with an introvert yeah, inside yeah. or whatever it was you said. I said something like he's, I don't he's remember. Sure. Yeah, there was something where you really like knew. He, he is able to be in this space and really compete with everybody, but he you can tell he just has a soft inside. That, really soft yeah. inside. So yeah. here's the thing. I I, can't, I have this big world thing that I do, but the, the reality of my heart is I'm a small world person. Yeah. I'm happy with my little group of friends. I am happy having, in many ways, the same thing for dinner. I'm happy to go to vacations in the same place. I am happy with my circle of five. I am very, very content yeah. with that. You are a big world gal. You... You, your, your look to make a difference. I mean, I fell into being a big world gal, but my reality is that I'm small world. Yeah. You're big world. You care about, mm. you're going to champion a big cause. I'm going to champion what people eat for dinner tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to champion my children. I'm going to champion my best friends. Absolutely for sure. You champion in a very different way. Mine's inside like mm-hmm. this. Yours is big and expansive. That's interesting. Yeah. So, 
Well, some, well, some I mean, you don't know about yeah, me. I'm me, insightful in case you're like That's interesting because I think yeah. I think we maybe we just think about it in different ways. You know, for me, my ultimate goal in life is to make sure that everybody is smiling, that other people around me are happy, and like the way that I can start by that is just going, how can I do that in this room? And I think similarly, that is also your goal is to create how can we have a joyful life, a okay. joyful world, but you start right. with dinner. Yeah, but we do it differently. Like, here's the thing. You, I think more, I can go in the room and do that. You more think of bigger world issues that I would never think about. And you challenge me to think of bigger world issues hmm. that I wouldn't necessarily put myself on the diving board with. So, in, you know, in That's some ways. spectacular. Yeah, it's, it's, maybe it's something I, I, I have these thoughts. I'm a thinker. And I have these thoughts. I'm a real thinker. <laughs> that's something that, that I've noticed about, about us. People have, you know, people have some questions and somebody wants to know, it's like, how did we, you know, get the kind of bond that we do? Like her daughter's 13 and her daughter's really mm. short with her. And people all the time say to me, I want to have the relationship that you do with your kids. I mean, part of it is, I, I think it's like, part of it is, I think it's like luck. <laughs> I just think. Oh my God, we totally lucked out. Yes. So part of it's luck. You know, we just we just do. But what would you say to that? What do you think are some well, things we've done? Or... I mean, I don't know if I said this in the last podcast, and I also notice it with my relationship with Patrick or my relationship with Cece is that every day it's a mutual choice. Right. You wake up and you have to say, like you say, do I want to be right today or do I want to be, be happy? happy. Right. And I think both of us have woken up many days and chosen to be right that day <laughs> as opposed to be happy. <laughs> But our higher self. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in the back of my mind, you know, I have that. Like, I, for me, I always have had a – it's just programmed, a yearning to to make you proud, to make you happy. Some people don't have that with their parents. You know, right. it's not what's in the – but, you know, for even with grades, you did not give a – flying whatever about what grades I got in school. You you wanted me to try hard and have joy. And I always, in the back of my mind, was like, I'm going to get A's because it's going to make my mom proud of me. And so I think part of it is just really up to, it's like a, it's like a nature thing. But also, you know, kids at that age just, it, it doesn't even matter what you said, what you would say, you know, they push away. And sometimes you need that. You need to go far away in order to come back together right. again because it makes it, it makes room going, you know, having that time apart really makes room for it to be really awesome later. And I think with good phases in life and with bad phases, you think, you know, this phase will never end, will never end. This will be how it will be forever. Right. Like yeah. right now, I'm I, when I was in college, I was thinking, you know, you make all these best friends that you live with and you think this will be how my life will be for the rest of my life. These will be my best friends. You know, we'll always live like this. And then it suddenly it changes and everything is different. You know, I'm I'm living in Los Angeles and I'm, I don't see my best friends every day. We don't talk every day. You know, our relationships have completely changed. And I think back to that moment of going, wow, everything's never going to change. And it does. And so um, – I think just knowing, you know, in those bad moments that when you feel like, God, this is, this sucks, it's gonna, it's gonna change and it's gonna shift. And in those good moments, it's gonna change and it's gonna shift. It is. It is. It makes me think of two things. It's like, when I think about growing up with my family and how much I loved them, and we used to take that wonderful trip every year, 
you know, mm. we would go to Hawaii. And when we would leave, my dad would cry, you know, and I always felt like we do this every year. This is what we do. We, this, we take this family trip. And the reality is it changed and, and, yeah. and it isn't something we do anymore, which doesn't yeah. mean we're never going to do it again. Um, but it's like my dad had that life experience that he cried because he really knew. He had lost a brother. He had lost his parents. He had had so many changes that he really knew this wasn't always going to be this way. And I didn't really, you know, understand yeah. that. Anyways, that's my yeah. cry for the day. The other thing I think in terms of kids is, you know, these were some things. I mean, first of all, we prioritized spending time together. That mattered yeah. to us. Um, and it's quality over over quantity for sure. It's like how you spend it. Um I feel like I I wasn't a person that needed my kids to be a doctor, to be a lawyer, to get good grades, to get excellent test scores, to like that wasn't my measure of what's important. It was important to me that you lived your life with passion and that you gave it 150%. The number uh, did not matter to me, not at all. Um, I feel like I gave you guys freedom, you know, and I've said this before on a podcast, but in fourth grade, when we went into Parker and one of the teachers was like, well, your kids should basically be taking the bus by themselves. Now, I don't know that you guys were doing that, but it said to me, I'm not giving my kids enough freedom. And I know we live in a world where awful things happen, you know, and some of that we can't control. And it's important to be smart. It's really important. You know, I remember, you know, like at that age, letting Patrick and some the kids together go to the ball game together, you know, starting to take the train by themselves just to start to say, I believe in you. Yeah. You know, you can do it. And I really trusted you guys. I mean, my thing is always be your best self. Not yeah. to say we always are, and I'm not also, but it's like in life, you know, strive to be our very best selves. Yeah. And then, you know, believe in and champion your kids until they give you room. You know, sometimes like with Patrick, he was tougher for me in high school. And what I found was like giving him a lot of room was um, not as good as having to pull him in and 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 really have to, you know, police things a little bit. So you you also have to really, you know, listen to your kids and react from that place. Yeah. But, but um. You know, I just think a lot of love is a good way good way to start. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things is that I, I also saw, I learned a lot about our relationship from watching the relationships of other kids with their parents. And, you know, I saw kids that weren't really getting that kind of freedom or, you know, kids whose parents really had a, a certain pressure on them to get good grades or whatever, and it made me feel really thankful for what I had. Um, but, yeah, I think some of it also comes with, you know, a lot of the things, the way that we think we're being in a relationship, maybe um, I think we're not as introspective as we like to think we are. And so, you know, it's really important to tell your kids that you love them, even if you, you know that in your heart, you know, to, to tell your kids every day that you love them. And I think as a parent, too, to be the one that's ready for rejection, you know, right. to be the one that is always there saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, and I'm here for you. And let your kids be like, mom, like, stop with the whatever, you know, because um, it does mean a lot. And it's it's like, you know, being to, being invited to a party is really nice, even if you don't want to go. Right. It's that moment. So I think just letting your kids know that you have unconditional love and support. And also, you were there for me. I think you made it very clear that you were there as like a friend, too. And as just a, a support figure as opposed to, like, an authority figure, you know, you were really clear that if I had questions about anything in the world, if I had concerns, like, I could just come to you as somebody to talk about those things as opposed to, like, be disciplined or um, that we could solve problems together as just two people on the planet. I mean, it's so interesting because you had the impression because you were so independent that you 
really didn't come to me to solve those things. I didn't. Just so well, you know, I, I, I'm well, glad like, you're that's saying the Virgo this. in yeah. me. I knew, and I knew that I could. Right. I knew that I could. I mean, still f- now, you know, the big things in my life, it is hard for me not to come to you. Right. Even my my dinner plans. If I'm like, Mom, I don't have a rolling pin. What what am I gonna do? You know, Mom, I'm in the car and my tank is low. I have a problem not calling you three times a day about like, just you know, I, I can't get my seatbelt on. It's like, I mean, I, you say that, but you are yet the most independent person I know. I would say the most advice you come to me because you mostly because you mostly don't. And I've always like I try to give advice, and there will be yeah. a lot of times where you've always pushed back on it. Yeah. But my thing is like, let your kids know you're there, love them. You know, I, it's like never, I mean, I always wanted to walk you into school holding your hand. You know, I loved having family meals together. I loved sending you with lunch and I loved bringing you, um, an after school snack. And I know what, what it was a privilege that I had the opportunity because not everybody does to drive their kids to school, to send that lunch and to bring that snack. It was, it was a privilege and it was something I was super grateful for. And I mean, think of all those years that I, before I was blogging, I mean, I really did it at the school where it was like I was teaching the little kids cooking classes. You were always no crumbs left. I was always no crumbs left. I, it, right. You just, you didn't have the platform before, but everybody in the school knew when you were going to have, you know, when, when you would send poached pears yes. in or you would, um, I mean, waffle you would day. Do, I mean, every waffle year. day or the, you know, the parents would send their kids into school talking about the salad with the tortillas. The salad with the tor- it's in the book. Or the egg rolls. It's in the book. Oh, is that in the book? So too, a couple of things that are in the book, my epic <clears throat> salad, which I'm really, really well known for. And we call it epic, epic because it's epic. Salad. And here's the thing to know. It takes some time to make. It is not for the faint of heart. It is epic. It is epic. But I would be really famous at um, at Parker for this salad. And I would always have like the mothers over for the mothers for the mother's night out, um, which was so much fun. And I would make the salad. Oh, kids would come in being like, um, hi. Um, my mom wonders when your mom is going to make that salad. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, uh, let me ask my mom and then I'll yeah. tell you to tell, you know, what to tell your mom. I mean, it's still kids when they see me who I, you know, I went to a school that was K through 12. But when they see me, they'll go, oh, then does your mom still make that, you know, whatever dish they remembered? And I'll be like, yeah. She does. It's on the blog. <laughs> Do you remember before I had the blog where you would want for like your teacher, you wanted me to write okay, up all my that recipes? Was, I, it was for Miss Gibson. And that was actually one of the ways that when you, one of your first recipes was your salmon that we put on the blog. And it was... I, you, you were very adamant. You're like, no, I will not write recipes. I do not write recipes. I am not a recipe girl. Well, because it would be and stressful I, and for I me would to try write to a work recipe. Out a way. I just like to cook and eat. I would, I would try to work out a way where I'd be like, okay, fine. How about if you make it, if I follow you throughout the kitchen and I narrate what you're doing and you'd be like, no, it's not going to work. And I'd be like, you know, I try to work out a way. Then finally we did it that way where you were making it and I was writing that you would be like, okay, now Lucy, I'm going to do this thing. And you sort of didn't want to give me, you know, be like, well, you put some oil and I'd be like, well, how much oil? And you'd be like, I don't know. You just enough. Well, I know, but that's the way before I wrote recipes, you have to understand that is really a legitimate thing. I wasn't being difficult. Of course. That was my truth. Well, I know you as being very difficult. (laughs) It's hard for me to not think of. Um, No, but I mean, I get that because it, I did the same thing when you're like, how do you edit a photo? And I'm right. like, I can't tell you. You yes. know, it's not like you do this much saturation on every well, photo. Thank it's you. It's a baby. Everything thank is you. a baby. And it's about seeing. 
you know, what can I do today? What is, what's going on with this salmon today? So, but I do remember that some of what happened with No Crumbs Left started because I really wanted you to make a small recipe book of some of your favorite recipes for my teacher because yep. I think the best gift somebody can give is one from the heart. And for, for us, I think it's stuff that is often involving food. I would not count myself. I mean, as this wrong. is how life, and you have to be willing to ride the wave because it's like the universe knocks on the door and offers you these opportunities. And, you know, if you push that away, it goes to somebody else. But to really ride the wave, and it was, in many ways, all of that was part of the birth of No Crumbs mm. Left. And I just want to ask you this because people do ask, how did, we, how did we get that name, No Crumbs Left? Well, I came up with it. You came up with it. Because yeah. what was my account name at that point? Wasn't uh, it like, like Terry, Terry Turner, Turner 2 or something? Or something? No, yeah, it was Terry, Terry Turner, Turner 2. Food. Terry Turner 2. It was num- Terry Turner 2. 2, the number 2. Um, yeah, yeah we, you were, came up with it. we were thinking in, and it, I, I, I don't was, think No Crumbs Left was one of those things where we went, oh, that's it. You know, I think we had different contenders. We we asked a few people in your life, what do you think about this and mm-hmm. that? And then No Crumbs Left it just was the clear front runner. It was so catchy. We kept coming back to, well, let's, what should we name the no crumbs left thing? And then it just seemed right. Um, I think that's a funny thing about life is sometimes the best things you just, you know, everybody describes these moments in life where you're like, and then I saw her and then I knew. And that is often not how it goes. It's often not how it goes. Is that the most beautiful things you are not like these shiny Things that are like, you know, go here. It's like you just fall into something and then it just becomes, it just grows into what it's going to become. I think I mean, it's just, fabulous. it's like, it's just like riding the waves of sort of what naturally, you know, comes and happens for us. Yeah. Maybe so that's, what else? well, resilience. We resilience. could talk about resilience. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, is there something you want to, is there a question you have about resilience? Well, somebody um, message this in. How does Lucy get on the other side of a disappointment or a setback? What does she tell herself so she continue to make the world, to make her way in the world when she's missing home or uncertain about life? And this is something. This applies to everyone this, in the world. This applies to everyone in the world. And I, it's, it's also something that. I try to tell other people, and I don't think it's very helpful for them. Okay. Well, tell us. Um, uh, when I'm experiencing something, and I, um, I really try to think, how can this be beautiful? You know, how can this low moment really, how can I be really attentive right now and look around and, and be sort of in a state of yoga almost of going, wow, I'm really looking around and this is quite uncomfortable and how can I get comfortable right here? How can I go like I am experiencing pain, I'm embarrassed, I feel, you know, today I feel worthless and how can I really give this feeling room so that it can make me stronger for something in the future? And I really think about Debbie Cole who was a teacher of mine who just passed away and I think it's really important to say people's names who have passed on so I'm just saying Debbie Cole right now, she that was something that she really taught me about was that if you're, you know, throwing some clay onto the wheel and all of a sudden you're making a beautiful bowl and it just turns into a clump of mush, you are going to have to maybe go, you know what, how can that thing that happened turn into a really great situation? How can I switch my perspective so that I see this thing that feels totally disastrous and turn it into something that could actually make me stronger for next time? Um, that's something that I'm 
always focusing on is like when something doesn't go my way, how can I really go? I'm going to take a deep breath here because I know that this moment is going to make me better. Because when I look back at tough moments, I know I can see the thing that happened after that and see how it prepared me for that moment. And I just am always thinking, wow, this is so great because even though this is tough, it is going to be, you know, when I'm going to look back at this, it's going to, I'm going to know that this was the moment that I needed to, to be able to get to the next good thing. So it's kind of like leap of faith. I was looking for this thing that, um, the Nobel priest, uh, winner said, which was above all, don't fear difficult moments. The best comes from them. Mm. And, and her name was Rita Levi Montalacini. Um, and uh, I just, I saw that recently. I just thought, how, what a simple way that she said that. You know, for me, one of the things that I do is, for me, I go back to like my mom dying. I mean, the thing the person asked er- earlier, I go back to that. You know, even the question I asked you, how do you get through that? It applies to me also. And I just mm-hmm. think my mom, who I love so much, she's gone, um, I, I don't know if it's going to be 19 or 20 years this year, a long time. 20, I think. And, and I say to myself, no, next year's 20, 19. It's 19. I just say to myself, um, you know, my mom would want me to be happy. You know, I just think my my mom would not want me to crumble because she's not here. She would want, and the best way that I can give honor to her life is to live my life so fully, you know. And, yeah. and I like to remember things like, and I've said it before, you know, Ray Kroc was 55 when he, he stumbled in McDonald's and, um, you know, uh, Winston Churchill, I don't know, but he was even older, you know, and, and Julia Child, 49. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's like um, well-lived life, you yeah. know, and just make people proud. So I think for each of us, it's 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 different. And it's hard when we when you go through moments of, you know, something being difficult to transition it. But it's like we do it because we must. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think I try not to get stuck in a story in my head that goes, this is so horrible. This is so horrible. It's one of the things about life that is hard for me to handle when I have, I do have friends that they get really stuck in a mindset of complaining about something. And for me, I, because I did that in college, you know, being really unhappy for two years and I could tell I was sitting on my ideas and I wasn't feeling like myself, um, it's hard for me to just sit in something and go, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. I'm the person that has to go, well, if you're going to be doing that, you must get up and do something about it. You have to stop that right now. And do you actually say that to people? Oh, I I do. And mm-hmm. I think that's the moment that's a little bit hard for my friends to tolerate because, yes. um, yeah, because it's – even if it's like, you know, I had a bad day at work, there's a certain point where I'm like, well, you're going to have to figure out a way to get past get, that, get over yeah. that. Yeah. Um, because I'm, I'm not going to listen to that anymore. I don't, I simply don't really like to have a lot of people very close to me in my life who like to dwell on something negative happening just because there is so much more to life than that horrible moment. Um, and sometimes it's like about finding what can you do today to just get you out of it. I often think of what the dog trainer taught us about sis? the dog. Maybe not sis, but those people that oh, came, yes. the dog whisperer whisper. people. Yeah. Um, when, you know, when a dog is feeling really anxious or, or maybe not understanding training, what you really do is you can replace, like we had a problem with the dog barking mm-hmm. and, it was like when there were little noises happening by the door. And so we would replace that moment of him barking with something else. So we would go, bop, 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 you know, just to distract him. And I think often when I get in a negative pattern of my mind, what you have to do is 
replace that moment with something else. So do I go, how do I change? How do I shake this up? Yeah. Do I go to a coffee shop right now? Right. Is this not working? Do I need to change my outfit? What if, it, you know, do I need to take a shower, put on some makeup or right. what, maybe what, should what I take a break and go moment. to the health club right. or um, do I need to, do I need to cook right now mm-hmm. or um, should I go home? You know, right. it's just how can I create a different moment for myself. So and that, so part of it sounds like self-nurturing. And part of it's like, how do yeah. I take care of myself? How do I listen here to myself? Yeah. I always love there's something someone said, and it might be my, um, it might be my health coach, which is food will not help that. <laughs> food will not solve this, you know, <laughs> and who actually, oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have her on in a few weeks and she's oh, wonderful. Spectacular yeah. idea. I'm always like, oh, food will not help this. Because there is that tendency to say, oh, I could have a piece of chocolate right now. But it's like, Food will not help. Throwing food yeah. at that will not help that problem. And then I think the last thing is the the toughest parts in life come from um, when you feel out of control. And I think that's been a big journey in resilience is learning to go, oh, this is actually none of this is something that I can control. Yeah. I can't control that this feels really bad right now because I'm in this. So I think just going to a moment and going, what of this can I control and what of this can't I? And then just sort of subtracting from the equation all those things that you can't. They're still there, but you you don't need to hold them anymore because they're just going to do what they're going to do. Right. And so I think that's helped me a lot to not carry so much weight because I'm often so worried about things that no matter how they go, I can't change them. All I can do is react to them. And that's been something that's – I'm. it's like I – I get up every day and I choose to learn more about that, to experience more about that. But it's really hard. Yeah. My my answer to that is um, I'm okay even though I don't feel I'm okay. And that's something I always said to you guys and it was sort of just something Mm. that's like, oh, I don't feel okay. But it's okay that I don't feel okay. So, well, we're getting ready to wrap up here, Lucy. Is there anything we didn't say? Is there there anything fun that we could end on? Um, I don't have anything really particularly fun, except for (laughs) we have nothing fun. Except for I, I, I sure love you, and we're we're excited to see your journey, and we want to continue on it. Could we talk about one goal? Yeah, we have. Yeah, mine is a very small. Yeah, what is your goal? Um, I want you and me to get on Dax Shepard's podcast, Armchair Expert. Uh, I love the Dax. Somebody got you listening. Yeah. Could you invite us over? Thanks. <laughs> uh, we are a lot of fun, and you yeah. should definitely, first of all, come over to No Crumbs Left and to No Crumbs Left oh, Kid. Oh, God, and I'm see. so rude. I should have invited you. you. Dax, we are a lot of fun. Could, does anybody know Dax? Could people, you call people, people him? Love, people like being with us. We we are self-proclaimed fun creators. Yes. Well, if somebody knows Dax, and they're like, Dax, they're calling you out. I love it. Well, that's our goal, and that's going to be uh, my goal, too. Oh, it is? Well, my goal is to make it through this book launch and to really find these 20 cities and 20 partners and 20 places. And, you know, and that it, that's my goal. And it's, I'm going to just say one more thing okay. about that, which is that I am so proud of you. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. And Thank I'm you. like tearing up when I'm saying it. And I think that is something that's been important in our relationship is that we are proud of each other for things that, you know, what if I thought, you know, what would... Maybe I've, I've, you've been proud of me for things that you didn't even expect or things that weren't your vision of what you'd be proud of me for. Yes. And I never would have envisioned that we would have gotten here. Never. I mean, you were so reluctant to writing a cookbook, but I am just so proud of you Thank every you. day to see you out there Thank being you. your it's best a, it's self. It's an exciting I just, journey. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit shocking. I went to this midwinter 
a book conference with HMH and they selected like five of their authors and we were at a dinner and these authors and they're real authors. They get up to speak. They're not fake. They get up and they get up to speak and they're like, oh my God, you know, they say these unbelievable things and they were, I love all the other authors. And then I got up and said, well, here's the thing. I'm not really an author. I'm just a girl who likes to eat. And there's no one more surprised than me that I'm in this moment where I'm an author. Yeah. Um, and we talked a lot about, you know, how the book wasn't only just about being a cookbook, but it was also about how to pay it forward in the world you know, how to make a difference and how to even tell your own family story and how little and small and, you know, local and little bookstores and all of that, how they really matter because it's the heart of the community. So um, anyways. I mean, I'm so proud of you for you've created something that you've taken all of this zest that you have for life and you figured out how to make a story that is it's it's a story. It's not just it's recipes. Story. It's, it's a, stories it's a story. about your life. It's it's about yeah how to participate in the world and find joy and find beauty and find beautiful produce too. Yep. And it's about so much. I mean, so thank wow. you, thank you. It's, That's it's and if, for people wondering, um, your mo- your mother does. She only releases her first book once. So wherever she's going to be touring, I'm you you betcha that I will be there. I love it. This girl's coming. We I'm don't know. The, we don't think up. you can come to all twenty cities because well, you have a job. And yeah, then we haven't I even do talked have about job. your oh, job. You get paid. God, I anyway. love my job. Yeah, she's got a great. She works Work for, for a cool, cool woman, queer woman. I love it. Cool, all right. Queer woman. Okay. Well, that's all we can say for today. Now, to find you, um, you to find me, you go to No Crumbs Left, and definitely come over and follow on Instagram. Yeah, I don't know if, if you guys not. are following my mom. <laughs> they might not be, and then come over to Lucy's account, which yeah. is, and we'll, we're going to tag you. We'll but tag it's No me. Crumbs no Left. No Crumbs Lefts with an S underscore kid. Kid. And if you start to spell out No Crumbs Left, I mean, you're going to find just it. And then Lucy's Lucy. brother, who's No Crumbs Left other kid. Yeah. He doesn't post often, but anyways, he's a lot of fun. He's so fun. All right. Well. So I love you. So glad you came home. Keep coming home. I love when you can, you know, take a few days and come home and sleep in your bed and yeah. see your mom and, you know. And if you guys see me in public, you you can sure feel free to come up and say hi. People Same with do me. that. And I Same with me. We, so we're fun. all into people saying hello to us. All so. right. Okay. Well, bye, you. guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. All right, Dax. Call us. Yeah, Dax, call, yeah. call me Dax. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk soon. Dax. Yeah. Dax. Right. Okay, bye. bye. Yeah. <laughs>